Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church, one church with two locations in Bowling Green and Alberton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now, may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His Holy Word. Well, grab your copy of God's Word and go with me to Matthew 18. We're finally out of Matthew 13, all right, we're moving on. Uh, as we walk through the Gospels here in this series called Let Him Hear, looking at the parables of Jesus. You know, way back in the day, Aretha made a little request, right? She said, what you want? We need Sheree up here to sing this. Baby, I got her. Danielle, one of them up here, right? To get some. Sheree is right here. Sheree is right here. What you need, you know I got it. All I'm asking is for a little respect. Maybe we should. That's right. Yeah, don't let me do it. But then she spelled out R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what that means to me. You know, as I was thinking about that, um, as we come to our text tonight, we see here that more than we need to receive R-E-S-P-E-C-T, we need to for, we need to give. We need to F-O-R-G-I-V-E. Um, forgive, right? Find out what that means to me. So we're going to look at our text tonight. F-O-R-G-I-V-E. Let's look at our text. Matthew 18. Just look at the first two verses here with me. Um, it says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Man, what a good question. <laughs> oh, man. Anybody ever said that before? I thought that, man, I, I'm going to give him one more chance, and it's it. I'm done. <laughs> how often, how many times, Lord, will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Now, this is coming out of Matthew 18, where Jesus' instructions that we know well. We often don't connect these two, but they're actually connected here. In his, in his, in his teaching, in Jesus' teaching on, on how to reconcile with a brother who has sinned against you. Right? We often talk about Matthew 18, and we mean this process right here that's in Matthew 18, 15 through 20. All right? Someone read that for us. Matthew 18, 15 through 20. Who would read that? Thank you, Yolanda. So here we get the process that we should use, this biblical process of reconciliation. Um, uh, and, and, and it basically has, has four steps to it. Um, you know, a brother sins against you or a sister sins against you. First, you go to the brother alone, it says. If you win your brother, they say, oh, I, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I repent. I'm, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Uh, then you won your brother. But if he doesn't or she doesn't, then you go to step two. Go to the brother with one or two other brothers. Again, lovingly, you know, gently confront them with their sin. Hopefully they turn from their sin. If not, then you go to step three, which is tell it to the church. And when you tell it to the church body, at that point you hope, man, they're going to turn and repent. If they don't, then you go to step four, which is to disfellowship them. 
All right? Now, Peter's hearing this, and he's taking it all in. Especially that first part there where it says, if your brother sins against you. All right? And Peter's like, yeah, man, I'm feeling generous today. I'm feeling generous. He's feeling extra merciful. And so he says, Jesus, should I forgive him as many as seven times? Do you see that in verse 21? As many as seven times? He's being generous because the rabbis taught three strikes and you're out. You only need to forgive somebody three times. And if they've done it for the third time, you can cut them off, anathematize them. They are done. The relationship's broken, never to be restored. You have the right and privilege to do that. The rabbis taught. And so Peter's going above and beyond. Uh, some would even say he even chose the number of God, number seven, right? The perfect number. But look what Jesus says. Verse 22, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Or other passages in the Synoptic Gospels say 70 times seven. Or seven times, 70 times. The number itself isn't the important part. The, 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 it, it's hyperbolic in that sense, right, to just say a bunch. Don't ever stop. You think it's seven times, Peter? You have only begun to forgive. You should forgive much. And then he tells this parable. And this parable is one of the most powerful parables in Scripture. It's one of the most, um, one of the most filled out, right? It's got the most story to it of any of the parables. And it's very, very powerful. Let's look at it here. Verse 23, Matthew 18, verse 23. He says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, imploring him have patience with me, and I'll, I'll pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him his debt. He didn't just reduce his debt to his lower number, right? He totally forgave the debt. But when that same servant went out, verse 28, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me and I'll pay you. Have we heard that one before in the, in the parable? He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant. I forgave all, I forgive you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. What a parable. What a challenging parable. So here's tonight's takeaway. The point, 
that I want you to walk out with, the action that I believe this text is calling us to, and it's this here. It is forgive much because you've been forgiven much more. Okay? Forgive much because you've been forgiven much more. All right? Let's look at a few facts here in this text. The first fact is this. Your sin against God has racked up an enormous debt that you cannot pay. You and I are the servant here who the master has called and says, pay the debt, and we say, I can't do it. Right? Here in the text, it was, it was uh, what, uh, uh, how much was it? It was, um, yeah, 10,000 talents. I didn't look that up. Anybody got a Bible that says how much it is? Yeah. Goodness gracious. Totally insurmountable, right? Insurmountable, that's right. How does he even get into that type of Right, how do you get into that? And that's really the point. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the beauty of the parables here is oftentimes Jesus uses these things to say that, that's just so far you know, out of sight that it is it, to, to make the point here. But guys, that is our sin. When you hear this master saying, you owe me 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents, that's our sin, man. It is through the roof, right? It's, it's one of those Scrooge McDuck <laughs> type of, of fortunes, right, that we owe God. So this sort of comes back to sort of like the log in the speck. Remember, remember there from, the, uh, from, from uh, there in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says, before you can get the speck out of your brother's eye, get the log out of yours. It's a perspective thing, and we need to understand perspective, Okay. Because our sin against God has racked up an enormous debt that you and I cannot pay. But that leads us to the second fact here. The second fact is yet God has offered you and me forgiveness through Jesus Christ. This is the amazing thing. I mean, it's scandalous, really, because we certainly don't deserve it. We've got a debt that we owe, a huge debt, an insurmountable debt. Yet God is gracious, like this master here, because he had mercy, because he had pity on this man. He should have been sold into slavery. His wife should have been sold into slavery. His children should have been sold into slavery. But he didn't. He had pity on them. And the same thing has happened to you and me. right? We've racked up this big debt, but God has said, I will be merciful to you. This big debt that you owe me, I will forgive. And he's done that through Jesus Christ. And he's just in doing that, right? You know Romans chapter 3. God doesn't just say, well, your sin doesn't matter. We know that he didn't just say, just wipe the debt off. He sent Jesus to pay that debt, right? The debt was paid. It wasn't just forgotten. Jesus paid. It was a costly, costly debt that Jesus paid for us. But you've been offered forgiveness just like this servant here. And if you're a Christian, you've, you've taken it. You said, yes, I'll take that. I will take that forgiveness. And you are overjoyed in that. But then life happens. And Matthew 18, verse 15, happens to us. Your brother sins against you. Now, when that happens, when people sin against us, 
what is our typical response to that? Our, let me say it this way, what is our natural response to that? Anger. How dare you? How dare they do that to me? What else? You're hurt. You are. I can't believe. I thought we were friends. I thought we were brothers. You instantly start making a list of all the other less obvious faults. Okay. Yeah, you begin to, to add up. Yeah, they got that and that. You basically begin to turn sour on them, right? You ever turn sour on somebody? You thought they hung the moon and all of a sudden they did something? It's like, well, they can't do anything right after that. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I mean, they can't even breathe right or chew right. They're just like, and that's true. Yeah. What else happens? You want to get even? That's right. How can I get even with them? You begin to think about ju- you. You begin to think about vengeance and retribution and all those things. All right. But the third fact that we see here is is that although a person's sin against you may be great. And listen, I don't want to belittle anything that's happened to anybody because you could, people could stand up and tell stories here that would make us weep, okay? Just being real. We're not, what Jesus is doing, he is not belittling what happened to you, okay? He's putting it in perspective. What happened to you may be grievous. It may be utterly depraved. Or maybe someone, maybe, maybe that happened to someone that you love, that you're close to. Maybe it was sexual abuse. Uh, maybe it was, it was murder. Maybe it was, um, you know, theft or, or whatever it might be. Really, really awful stuff. Although a person's sin, though, may be great. Here's what, the, here's what this passage is teaching us. It's minuscule compared to to your sin against God. And we've got to see it this way. Now that's not easy, is it? That's very hard. Because when we're offended, it's really big. When we've been hurt, when we've been sinned against, it's really big. But Jesus is saying we've, we, we have to see our sin rightly. Our sin against God. And a person's sin against us may be great, but it's minuscule compared to our sin sin against God. You know, when another person sins against us, they're sinning against another sinner. Someone that, yeah, is made in the image of God, but we, in a lot of ways, are broken ourselves, right? But when we sin against God, we're sinning against God who is holy, 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 who is perfect, who created and given us a life, who sustains us, who deserves all of our honor and glory. And so it's very great. When we sin against God, it's very great. But here's the fourth thing that we learn from this text tonight. Is if God can forgive your big sin, you should forgive a person's comparatively small sin against you. Because here's what's happened. Here's, here's what happened in the, in the parable. This guy that, owned, that, that owed 10,000 talents gets forgiven this big debt, and then he goes out and he finds someone that owes him a hundred denarii, which is how much? Anybody over here? Like several million. All right. Way less, right? Oh, sorry. The, the, 
the denarii. Yeah, like a week's wage. Very, very minuscule compared to the debt that was owed to the other one, okay? And what did he do? The, the, the guy said the same thing. Please forgive me. I mean, I'll pay it back to you just like the servant did. But the guy hardened his heart. He hardened his heart. But guys, listen to me. And, and this is, this is going to be the key. This is the absolute key for you to forgive that person that's hurt you is that if God can forgive you whose sin is humongous, you can forgive someone whose sin is comparatively small against you. And that's the very key. You've got to get perspective on this. I, I have to get perspective on this. Uh, there's been... I, I've had a fairly easy life in this regard. I just have a few minor things in my life that, that were hurtful to me that I, I mean, I, but to be honest, I held on to them for a long time, okay? Held on to them for a long time and, and, and it, it's, it's teachings like this that helped me begin to break free from that. It's amazing the things that we remember, even the smallest things sometimes we hold on and, and it, it, we hold a grudge and, and um, you know, we don't want to see the person. When we think about the person, we think about, man, I'd love to just punch them in the face, you know, all that stuff, okay? I don't know what the ladies think. Do, do ladies think about punching people in the face too? Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> That's what our flesh wants to do, even for the smallest things. But if God can forgive our big sin, then you and I should forgive a person's comparatively small sin against us. And here's the final thing to think about here. And this is the punch. Jesus often in parables comes to the punch, and it's this. The fifth fact tonight from this passage is that not forgiving is unforgivable. Whoa. What? Seriously, Jesus? Look what he says. The last verse. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. In other words, that debt is put back on us. That, unforg that forgiveness is removed. It's unforgivable. Not forgiving is unforgivable. Now, we could get into theological debate and all these things because we certainly are convinced from Scripture that a person, once they're saved, is, is saved. God keeps them. God perseveres them. God preserves them. A person cannot be saved and then lost. But, guys, let's be clear here. A person who does not forgive another person, who refuses to forgive another person, is not acting like a saved person. They are bearing fruit of lostness. That is lost characteristics there. Now, I'm not saying if you're struggling with forgiveness that you're lost. I'm just saying if you continue. I mean, Jesus' words here are radical. Not, uh, not forgiving is unforgivable. So I want to help us think just for a few moments tonight or the rest of our time about how to do reconciliation and forgiveness. And you may have heard me teach these things before, or maybe you haven't. But um, I want to pass these out to you. That way you can kind of have them and think through them. That may be enough, I think. And that may be enough, I think. Maybe take one per couple and hopefully we'll have enough. <clears throat> one per household or whatever. So we want to talk about three things tonight. Four lists, or three lists for us tonight to think about. When we think about 
forgiveness here. How do we bring this about? First, I want to talk about the four R's of reconciliation. The four R's of reconciliation. So these are the steps that you and I should take as laid out by the Scripture. All right? You've heard me preach on this before, so I'm not going to take a long time and, and, and give all the biblical warrant. I'm going to kind of move quickly through these. Um, if you want more on this, let me know. I'll, I'll send you a, uh, you know, a link to audio or send you sermon notes or whatever if you want more depth to what I have here for you. But the four R's of reconciliation are these. First is to recognize that sin has happened. If your brother sins against you, he says, go to your brother. In other words, go tell that person, okay? They need to recognize what's happened. Sometimes we sin against people and, and, and really don't realize what happened, right? We don't remember it. It was a passing thing. It was a small thing to us, that not a big deal, but to them it was very hurtful, okay? Now also we know in Scripture that Jesus teaches that not only are we to go to our brother, but if we know that our brother has something against us, in other words, if we're the ones that sinned and we already realize it, we're to go to them. We're not to wait for them to come to us. So in Scripture, both folks, the offender and the offended, are taught and commanded to go to the other one. So there's no reason for this first step to not happen. But it doesn't often happen. Why? Stubbornness. Stubbornness. What else? You don't want confrontation. We're afraid. That's usually the reason. That's usually the biggest reason. Sometimes, though, we want to we want to be mad. Just be. Let's just be honest. I I kind of like being mad at him. Right. So you've got to recognize that sin has happened. Number two, though, is repent. The person who sinned against you, or you're the one that sinned, whichever one, you repent. You see that sin, you recognize it, you agree, yes, that was sin. I'm sorry, and you turn from it. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to turn. That's what repentance is. Just like it says here in Matthew 18 here, verse 15, Go and show him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. In other words, if he repents, if he listens to you, repents, you've gained your brother. That's a very necessary step to say, yes, you're right, I sinned, and I'm turning. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm sorry I did that. I don't want to do it anymore. And then that comes to the third step, which we're talking about tonight. And that's the big one. Here's the big one. Because if we've got the guts to go show them their sin and they're humble enough to say, yes, I don't want to do that anymore. Sorry, I, I, I turned from that. Here's the next step, is release. In other words, forgiveness. That's when this actually happens. Now, I want to skip down here to the four promises of forgiveness because Jesus says here, until you should, uh, so, that, so also my Heavenly Father, verse 35, so also my Heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So it's not if you, give your, if you forgive your brother from your mouth. Because <laughs> we often do that. Oh, I forgive you. My goodness. Are you kidding me? That's, pfft, I don't even remember that. You know, lying through our teeth, right? We forgive him from our mouth, but not from our heart. And so he says here, unless you forgive your brother from your heart, you hadn't forgiven anybody, and the unforgiveness of God rests on you. So let's look down here because before you say, yes, I forgive you, we've got to take stock about what that means here. 
And this comes from peacemakers, the four promises of forgiveness. And this is really helpful. Before you say yes, you've got to consider this because this is what forgiveness means. And this is why we often don't do it like we should. One is, I will not dwell on this incident. I'm not going to let it irritate me. I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to think on it. Number two, I will not bring this incident up and use it against you. Now listen, we're pretty good at that as long as the going is good, as long as it's green grass and, you know, skies are blue and all that stuff, right? But when there's a little storm that comes up between you and that person again in the future, we are very tempted to go pick that up, right? And say, yeah, well, you remember when you did that? You're like, well, I thought you said you forgave me. If you forgive them, that's now off limits. It's out of bounds. It's, in fact, it's like our sins with God who says that our, he's, 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 he's separated us from our sins as far as the east is from the west. That's what forgiveness is here. I will not bring this incident up and use it against you again. That's a big step. That's why you've got to seriously think about when you say, I forgive you. Three, I will not talk to others about this incident. In other words, it's a closed deal. Guys, these things take a very mature Christian, don't they? It takes a very ma- mature person, a very mature Christian. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? Especially if the other person is talking. Okay, yeah. And you're going that people are coming to you. Mm-hmm. You just got to learn not to say anything. That's right, yeah. I will not talk to others about this incident. Now, why do we often talk about others or talk to others about the incident? That's right, yeah. We want to be told, well, you should be mad at them. And you should go slash their tires or whatever, you know, that people want to say that they're going to do. So we want to be affirmed that we're right in how we feel toward this person. Why else? And most people are going to affirm you, right? They are, yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, it takes guts to say, yeah, right. That's right, yeah. That's true, that's true. But not only do we want to be affirmed in, in, in our emotions in this, uh, it's also passive aggressiveness, isn't it? Right? When we tell, you know, so-and-so did this, basically you're attacking their character without them knowing it. Okay? It's passive aggressiveness. So we do that as well. But I will not talk to others about this incident. Now, keep in mind that that's, it's not always an unrighteous thing to talk to others about the incident. Okay? Because here in Matthew 18, verse 16, he says... But if he doesn't listen, take one or two others along with you. And if that doesn't work, then tell it to the church, right? And so there, there are steps here, okay? But let's say, you know, step number one, you go to him or her, and they say, I'm sorry, forgive me, and you say, I'll forgive you. Then you don't go to step two, and nobody else knows about it, right? You keep it between you, and you keep it at the level, okay? So you're not going to talk about it to others anymore. It's not going to be brought up anymore. And then finally, this is, this is number four, the fourth promise of forgiveness is I will not allow this incident to stand between us or hinder our personal relationship. Again, that's really hard. We're going to talk more about that in just a moment, okay? But basically it says, you see, God's, God's goal is not forgiveness. God's goal is reconciliation. It's a step past forgiveness. Forgiveness says, I'm not going to slash your tires anymore. Forgiveness says, or uh, reconciliation says, I want to ride with you in that car on those tires, Okay? That's reconciliation. So we're going to talk more about that in just a moment, all right? And that moves us here to the six steps of granting forgiveness. This is sort of how we do it. Because forgiveness is actually a transaction, 
all right? I, I, I teach my children. Um, it, it seems really... Um, it seems really mechanical and whatnot, but, but I make them. What do you need to tell your brother? I'm sorry. That's right. What do you need to ask your brother? Will you forgive me? And what do you need to say back to your brother? Yes, I forgive you. You know, so we've got, so those are really important steps. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And yes, I forgive you. So let's look here. The six steps to granting forgiveness. First is affirm the request for forgiveness. Affirm the request. Forgiveness must be asked for. You see, again, we could get into a big teaching on this. We're not going to tonight. But until that person asks you to forgive them, the forgiveness is only theoretical, right? You've, you've maybe done it in your heart, right? But that's really not called forgiveness. That's called forbearance, right? You're, you're overlooking their sin. You're overlooking. You're hoping that they're going to come and turn. All right? But you need to affirm. When they come, it must be asked for. And since asking for forgiveness is, is often very, it's just tough when someone comes and asks for forgiveness. That puts the other person in this really vulnerable place. It's important to express to them, thank you for taking that tough step. Man, that, listen, that took guts. I, I really appreciate you doing that and coming and asking me for forgiveness. But then number two is acknowledge there is a need there, there is indeed a sin that needs forgiven. In other words, express agreement with the person that they indeed did, did sin against you and that their sin had caused a broken relationship. In other words, again, don't say, ah, forget about it. Right? We say, no, no, it did. It, uh, it hurt me. Acknowledge that there was a, a need to be forgiven. Three, you need to do this. You need to account for what granting forgiveness will mean. We just talked about what that means. Four is to decide in your heart to forgive. Once you've fully accounted for what forgiveness will mean, you have to decide in your heart to forgive that person. And then fifth is when you transact forgiveness. Forgiveness, again, is a transaction. Will you forgive me? Yes. You need to say these words. Yes, I forgive you. Don't short-circuit by saying anything else. If you're going to forgive them, transact forgiveness. Yes, I forgive you. And then finally, number six is to work toward reconciliation within appropriate boundaries. Now listen, reconciliation is basically trying to restore that relationship, and sometimes that takes time. And, and, and it, it's one of those walks of grace, okay? And so it may not be appropriate to go right back immediately to where that relationship was, okay? There's got to be trust built back. It takes time, okay? Reconciliation takes time. It takes work. It's a process that's got to be earned back oftentimes, okay? Depending on how serious the thing was, the, the sin was. Therefore, it's appropriate, it's reasonable agree, to, to have agreed upon boundaries that help you safeguard the offended one until the boundaries can be safely removed, okay? And completely reconciled. That is God's plan. Now, that doesn't mean that Again, if you didn't have a relationship with them and, and they were some stranger that hurt you, that doesn't mean that you become their best friend, okay? But it does mean that with whatever relationship was there, if there was none, then whatever. But if there was a relationship there, you worked to try to restore that. And guys, it, it's happened. I've seen it happen. Big sins, big, serious, major sins, okay? So those are the six steps to granting forgiveness, all right? This is what we need. We need to F-O-R-G-I-V-E. 
Here's my final prayer tonight. May you breathe in and breathe out forgiveness. Forgive much because you have been forgiven much more. Hi there, this is Pastor Ben. I have something really important to ask you, but first, I want to say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is the most important question you'll ever answer. Where do you stand before God? Now, based on what you've done, the straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a Savior. But I have good news. God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus to be your Savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live, and he stood condemned on the cross, dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that he is indeed the Savior of the world. And now Jesus longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. He desires to take what you've earned, which is the wrath of God in hell, and to give you in return what he has earned, which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed? First, admit to God you are a sinner. Second, hate your sins. Turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and follow him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, Jesus is ready to make this trade with you. And I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us, and I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.